What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, because if you want to do big things, you got to start with a solid foundation. Today, we're talking about a key component to your physical and mental foundation to be a high-performing human. And it's a topic that we probably don't give a lot of thought to, don't give a lot of airtime to, but still, it's something that you spend roughly a third of your life doing. So it's this huge lever to pull in terms of optimizing your energy and optimizing your output in the world. Yes, we're talking about sleep, but I promise this episode won't put you to sleep as we explore nine quick ways to optimize your horizontal hours and wake up feeling great, feeling superhuman. To help me walk through this is Riley Jarvis from sleepforsidehustlers.com and the sleepconsultant.com. Riley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. It's an honor. You bet. So Riley started his journey into sleep optimization kind of as a personal health journey many years ago and kind of discovered sleep was the missing link that tended to bring everything together. So after some personal biohacking and learning from top doctors in the field, he now helps other people get to the root of their sleep issues rather than just continuing to mask the symptoms. It's all about building this foundation so you can feel amazing, be the best version of you. That's what I want to leave listeners with today. It's this focus on the fundamentals. So Riley, let's kick this off with optimization number one or quick hack number one. Probably the obvious one for a lot of people is no caffeine after 2 p.m. Now, it, it depends. It's case by case for each person, all based on genetics and many other factors. But usually 2 p.m. or 80 hours before we go to sleep is really the sweet spot because caffeine has a half-life of about seven, eight hours. So that means once after about seven or eight hours is when half of the caffeine's out of our system. And it's usually that's enough for most people to go to sleep after that. But for people that are very, very sensitive, usually 11 a.m., 10 a.m. for some people is definitely the, the sweet spot too. But it's all about customizing, but most people probably know where they're at. Okay, yeah, no, no, no caffeine in the afternoon. I try and cut it off after lunch, basically. So I'm a little after 11 as we're as we're talking and I'm I'm still sipping on my morning coffee. I don't know if this is good or bad, but like I try and force myself to drink a decent amount of water before jumping on to the coffee. And so my morning routine would be like fill up the water bottle, finish that, and then, you know, maybe 9 9:30, that's when the coffee comes in and it's usually put some MCT powder in there, usually put some collagen powder in there. And that's like in a, in an attempt to do the uh, intermittent fasting thing as well. And I don't know if that <laughs> has any role or any, you know, backing in. There's some interesting papers, you know, depending on who you want to believe science-wise on like, oh, this is good for longevity. This is good for cancer prevention. Does it have any play into the sleep as well? Definitely. It really does. The interesting, I mean, that's, that was a whole movement Dave Asprey from Bulletproof really created too. That, and that was years back. And I remember when he first started that, people thought, you mean you just put kind of this butter into your coffee and people thought it was unhealthy, but they're showing now it's, the science is showing it's really the opposite. It helps with so many things, regulating your blood sugar, kicking out your metabolism, your gut microbiome, which is so important for all these other things. But what's really good when you put in MCT oil and fat is it actually slow releases the caffeine. So for some people that are really sensitive and they have caffeine and they get the jitters, it's kind of a way to slow release that caffeine over the day. So you don't have also, it goes on the other, on the tail end too. You don't have this massive crash after. So that's a really good way of doing it. The collagen protein is amazing for your hair, your skin, your nails, your brain. And the MCT oil is amazing too, because that gives you ketones right away without you having to go into a ketogenic diet, which isn't as convenient for some people for sure. So that's really good. Another really good thing you had mentioned was drinking water first. And this is kind of something new in the science that they're talking about is 
one thing that people don't realize is caffeine actually dehydrates you. And when we're sleeping, we usually on average, just from breathing alone, we lose about a, one liter of water while we're sleeping. So here we are waking up dehydrated and we go right to caffeine, which is going to dehydrate us more when in fact, what we should be doing is as soon as we wake up, drink about 500 milliliters to one liter of water. And then about 90 minutes after we wake up, we want to have that first cup of coffee if we can. And you just, if people start trying that, they usually notice a significant difference in how they feel. Okay. Is there any merit in just trying to wean yourself off the coffee completely? Yes, there definitely is. Depending on how many cups you have a day. Some people that I work with, you know, there's sometimes on four or five, six cups of coffee a day. Those people you definitely want to wean off slowly if, if that's ultimately their goal. And, and you could substitute it too. If it's the smell and the taste, the aroma that you like first thing in the morning, you can substitute that with decaf okay. coffee or you can go to more towards more herbal teas and stuff. But yes, you can do it. Usually the withdrawal for a lot of people is about two, three, four weeks. You may be getting headaches, you know, some stomach aches, stuff like that. But if you make it over that hump, you're usually good for the most part after that. And you have a clean, sustainable energy source for the rest of the day. Yeah, it's almost more of the the ritual of it at this point, rather than the the caffeine or the pick-me-up from it. It's just like, well, uh, I'm getting some calories from it in the form of the protein and the MCT powder. I don't know if I necessarily, <laughs> I say that as I like, as I have it every day. I, I could quit, I could quit anytime, man, but totally. Okay. So uh, cutting off the caffeine, at least in the afternoon or a little bit earlier, if you find yourself sensitive to that, it's kind of an uncomfortable feeling to have the jitters. If you just, for whatever reason, have like a really strong brew and you're just like shaking. I don't know. I like I, that is really uncomfortable for me. So I try and, um, I don't know, water it down a little bit, try and make it a little bit weaker. Okay. But that's, uh, that's something <laughs> like don't pump yourself with stimulants knowingly that, that are going to reduce the quality of your sleep. What's number two for us? Number two is we want to reduce blue light exposure at least two hours before bedtime. And you can do this a lot of ways, but one of the things is blue light. They've shown a lot of people I'm sure have heard of this before, especially now compared to a few years ago, even is blue light really reduces our melatonin. Melatonin is really responsible for our ability to sleep. And kind of the way our rhythm works is when we first wake up and we're very stimulated, our melatonin is at its lowest point. But as we get closer and closer to the evening, that melatonin level starts to rise, which is good for us because that makes us sleepy and sleep inducing and it'll make us go to sleep naturally. But we actually delay that effect in our body's natural rhythm by exposing our eyes to blue light. And this can affect REM sleep and everything that comes with it that we'll get into shortly. But that's the first one. So to reduce that blue light, you can do a couple different ways. So on your laptop, there's a great application. It's called Iris. And I've experimented with a lot of the kind of the blue light uh, blocking ones on the laptop. That's one of the best ones, really backed by great guys, all based on science. And then on your iPhone or your Android device, there's a lot of applications. There's Twilight or the ones built in native to the app too that you can start using. But really what you want to do is about two or three hours before bed, invest in some blue light blocking glasses. You can just simply go onto Amazon and find those. My favorite are Twilight Classic. That's kind of their bread and butter. They specialize in it. You might look like X-Men because the glasses are red. It just depends on really how far you want to take this okay. stuff. And then the other one is just really dimming the lights as much as you can prior to sleep as well. And if you do all those things, you're really in the right place. Yeah, I feel like we got like a three pack of these bright orange blue light blocking glasses or something, especially for side hustlers. Like I'm still cleaning up email. Like I'm still finalizing a few things like after the kids go to bed a lot of nights, but I try and wear these blue light glasses a little bit more difficult for my wife because she's like editing photos from the last you know wedding that she did. 
And he's just like, I can't wear these. Like they're, they're make the, they make the <laughs> colors all like jacked up on my screen. It's a little bit trickier for her, but maybe the, the tweak would be just, you know, doing that, uh, you know, earlier in the morning or something before the kids get up. Is it just that evolutionarily speaking, we didn't have access to light sources after the sun went down, basically. And now that we do, we're kind of like jacking up our internal systems by staring at screens. Totally. That's just it. Back in our ancestral environment, it was all natural lighting. You would think they would just kind of be the light from a fire, which is a form of red light. And then we would have the moonlight and the stars and that was it. But now we've exposed to all this artificial light, which is really good in the daytime for the eyes and stuff like that. But when it comes to sleep and our natural rhythm, our body's just not used to it. We got these little amber like clip-on reading lights. Cause I still like, you know, it's Kindle time, you know, before bed. Is this just <laughs> did I get, did I get not to get scammed because it's like, well, it still functions as a light, but versus like using an LED or using a, just a typical, you know, desk lamp, reading lamp type of thing. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a, a step in the right direction. It's a lot better than those LED bright lights, white lights that just, just shine on you. Those are uh, probably the worst you can do, but yeah, those clip on lights are great. Especially there's so many new and innovative companies coming out with those kind of things that I completely support. Okay. So trying to reduce our blue light exposure, you know, in the after dinner hours, just um, maybe to start thinking about that, dimming the lights in your house, like getting your body ready for sleep. And I'm trying to do this with like dimmer switches or just, okay, nobody's in this room anymore. Let's just start to start to wind things down. Number three on this list. Number three is we want our bedroom temperature to be as cool as possible. And this is usually around the 68 to 70 degree Fahrenheit or about 17 to 20 degrees Celsius mark or below. And the reason is our, our bodies sleep most optimally in a cool environment. And part of the reason is, is because just in, within a 24 hour cycle, our bodies are at its lowest temperature pretty much early in the morning or in the middle of our sleep cycle. So for the average person, let's say go to bed at 10 PM, waking up at 6 AM, usually there it's at its lowest point around, you know, two or 3 AM. Now, if we're, if our body temperature is high, it's not conducive and natural to what our natural rhythm is. Again, and so you can see the same kind of theme coming up for our body's natural rhythm. So we want to keep our external temperature as cool as possible. So our internal temperature can be as cool as possible as well. Does this matter if you're still like sleeping under a, a quilt or a bunch of sheets? Like I'm just trying to think of like, I feel like I would be cold just lying there in PJs at, <laughs> at 68 degrees. Definitely. So it's it's really case by case, but having your room as, as a colder external temperature and c- because keep in mind too, your head is exposed where a lot of heat does escape from. And if your, your external temperature is warm on top of the quilts, that could definitely be warm. But having those quilts, those heavy blankets on top of a cool room from the people that I worked with, that seems to really do the trick for them. That's fair. Yeah. It's like in wintertime, no real problem keeping things at that temperature yeah. <laughs> in summertime, especially in in California at our old place, like, you know, the AC wouldn't kick on until 78. And so it would be pretty warm in the room, even at night. And it's like, I didn't see that that was a problem. And I didn't want to justify a $500 uh, air conditioning bill. Like, I don't know, with people in different climates, does that adjust up or down? Or is it just kind of like, this is a hard and fast human rule that you've seen? This is kind of the hard and fast rule that I've seen. And obviously there's just going to be variation with everybody. There's probably a lot of people too. It's just not possible to sleep in this environment. They probably sleep fine when their bedroom temperature is a little bit warmer than, than it probably could be. But it could also be too that that's just kind of their normal and that's what they're used to. And our body's always trying to adapt to what 
our circumstances are. And that's how we survived over thousands of years. So that could be it. But sometimes people just need a taste of what that new normal is. And it's all about experimentation at the end of the day. So try cooling that temperature down, see how you feel, do it for a week or two. And if it's if it's better, great. If not, then you can just go back to whatever makes you feel best. Yeah, I typically sleep pretty hot. And I I bought one of these things. I forget the name of it, but it was this like mattress pad that ran water through like these tiny little channels and you'd sleep underneath. It felt kind of like there was like worms or something. Like, it was kind of weird. I couldn't get used to it because it was yeah. like you could feel the water <laughs> flowing up, flowing underneath you. And I ended up returning it. I think I heard about it on Tim Ferriss or something. It was like, oh, you know, this device saved my marriage. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. It, it didn't do it for me, but it was an interesting concept. Yes. Okay. So keeping the bedroom cool, that was number three to the extent that you can and the budget allows there. Number four. Number four, so similar in line to number two, blue light exposure, we want to black out our room as much as possible, pretty much to the point where we can't see any light coming in to our environment whatsoever. Now, the reason for this is one, because blue light can come in through, for example, your curtains. So if somebody's living in a condo that's downtown, light can be coming through there or, I mean, it can be anywhere. It could be in the suburbs, but any light that's coming into your bedroom even though your eyes are closed, we actually have something known as these melopsin receptors, which actually absorb and detect light that's around our eyes on our skin. And it can actually disrupt our sleep too. So that's why having completely blackout room. So this is any cable boxes that we have in our room, any fans that are on, usually putting on, for example, masking tape or duct tape, sorry. On a lot of these emitting uh, light emitting diodes, getting blackout curtains, these are really good ways to start. And, and this can also be a way that you can really just naturally start fixing your sleep. That's an interesting one. Like our kids are, I mean, they're, they're kids. They, they don't like being <laughs> in complete blackout naturally. And so they've got this like, in my mind, like this super bright nightlight out in the hallway. And it's like, you know, when everything else is dark, it's like the light of the sun. And I'm like, you guys, how do you sleep with this thing on? You know, should we try and get a dimmer switch or something equivalent for the kids? Like I'm trying to think is like, is that messing them up too? It definitely could be. And again, for some people, they think they're, they sleep fine because even sometimes people too, who have uh, their TV on, they like falling asleep with something on the background as comforting for them. And they, they swear by it and then it works for them. And I think that's great for a lot of people. If it works for you, perfect. But I'm just the ideal from sort of what the science is showing, just experiment and try that and just see how they respond. And obviously with anything, you might go through, through some withdrawal symptoms. Like if you're used to the TV being on while you fall asleep and suddenly it's just complete silence. Now you're just with your thoughts that can make somebody feel a little bit off their normal nighttime. Routine. It's like, it's weird. It's too quiet. Yeah. It's too quiet now. Yeah, exactly. So just experimenting with that, see how you feel. Again, these are very strict, strict, strict rules. People have to follow as you know, the 10 commandments or, or something like that. It's, it's more just general guidelines that you can follow and see what works best in your schedule. What do you think about just an eye mask? Like if it's not feasible to, you know, we've got kind of a funky shaped window where it would be, it would take a little bit of engineering to get a blackout curtain for that thing. Is an eye mask a suitable substitute? Absolutely it is. Eye masks are amazing. And it's it's not as good as blacking out your room entirely because that's something where, like I said, even if you wear an eye mask around your eyes, there's still going to be these receptors that are going to still detect that there is light there. But it's definitely a step in the right direction. So, I mean, compared to not having it at all, I would, I would say that for sure. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you... 
I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's your take on the like sleep tracking industry, like, oh, I got to wear my Fitbit to bed. I got to wear my aura ring. I got to have the little white noise app or whatever thing, you know, sitting by the side of the bed where on the other side, it's like, well, no technology in the bedroom. Like, you know, get all this Bluetooth stuff away from you. What's your take on that stuff? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. And I say use technology as long as it empowers you. There's a lot of people who think they sleep fine, but you put them on a tracker it, so it could be, for example, like an iWatch, it could be a Fitbit, it could be an Oura Ring, Oura Ring is my favorite. And then you can see after about one week to a month that they really weren't sleeping that well, whereas they thought they did before. And this is where we can really see and start making adjustments to their sleep. So that's on one end. And then on the other end, you have the people that are so obsessed with their numbers, of their sleep tracking, that they need to get a score of 85 or higher or else they're super stressed. Well, if they're super stressed, they're not going to be sleeping well. <laughs> And there's actually, it's, there's an actual term for it. It's called omnophobia. It's, it's something along those lines where you have a phobia of whatever your sleep tracking numbers are. So oh, geez. it's one thing you definitely want to watch out for. Yeah. I, I was like the anxious kid in elementary school. Like <laughs> if I couldn't fall asleep, uh, like, you know, this random bout of insomnia, I'd be all like stressed out because I couldn't fall asleep. And then I couldn't fall asleep because I was stressed out. It was just a mess. Yeah. I remember talking with uh, Brian Johnson from optimize.me and he said his Aura Ring score was his like number one KPI, like his number one performance indicator. How well did I sleep? And that was like how well he was going to show up and perform in the world the next day. And I thought that was that was kind of interesting. It was a it was a good um, unsponsored plug for for Aura at that point. 
I completely agree. It's, it's really amazing. It's really good as a KPI to see how you feel in your aura ring because it'll tell you when you first wake up, well, maybe you should take it easy today because maybe you're planning to do a heavy compound workout with heavy squats and deadlifts. And if your aura ring tells you to take it easy, then maybe it's time you should take it easy. Maybe your heart rate variability is not the best. Your body's not fully recovered. So that's one. And then on the other end, you may wake up and it's telling you your readiness is really not that great. And now that kind of, there's, there's always a placebo effect with everything. Now, mentally, you don't start your day off right. So it's always striking that balance. My brother's got a post on the importance of sleep from the standpoint of like a literal brainwashing, like a cleansing of the brain. Like it's a time for the brain to kind of rest and reset. And I was like, oh, it's really interesting. That's number four. This is the, you know, blackout curtains. In absence of that, the eye masks is trying to reduce reduce light here because even if your eyes aren't open, your skin is still sensing and absorbing that. Number five. Number five is we do not want to eat any heavy meals about four to five hours before bedtime. And the reason is, is there's a couple different reasons, but one of them is we really don't want our stomach digesting. It's already doing enough as it's sleeping. I mean, our brain is pretty much as awake and as active as it is as compared to when we're awake. But also too, we, we just don't want our stomach digesting and using all these resources that you should allocate to sleep because this is going to cause us as well for our blood sugar to spike, our cortisol to potentially spike when it should just kind of be within this certain baseline. I mean, if it's going above or below that, our body's resources and vital reserves are going to have to come in and compensate for that. And this is what can cause a lot of people to wake up and it's sort of the middle of the night. From what I've seen the most, it's either a blood sugar issue, if people are waking up first thing in the middle of the night, or it's, like I said, cortisol. So that could be related to stress, which is a lot of things. But if we're eating heavy meals, especially one that's really high in carbohydrates, there's something else known as carb backloading, which if you had a workout, let's say 3, 5 p.m., and then you had a little bit of sweet potato for dinner time, maybe it's a later dinner, that can actually help you get to sleep. And that's really good. Also, the MCT oil coming back around full circle is really good to have prior to going to sleep well. That kind of helps stabilize that blood sugar, um, that brain glucose as we're sleeping. But yeah, that's, that's a really good rule. No really heavy meals four to five hours prior to bed. This one is a surprising one for me because I'm thinking of like, oh, Thanksgiving dinner. I just want to pass out on yeah. the couch. It seems like a heavy meal. And same thing, like I used to, you know, go out, you know, for lunch, you know, on dealer meetings at my old job and then be driving in the car to the next meeting. And I would just be like out. I just like want to fall asleep immediately. So this one is kind of counter to personal experience or what I would normally think of like, oh, eating a big meal seems to like make me want to go to sleep. Yes, exactly. When you have a heavy meal too, this is where it can help you get to sleep, but actually staying asleep. Again, this is the balance where you really have to find your own unique area of whatever works best for you. Sometimes for dessert, people can have berries and almonds, some kind of form of fat. But for getting to sleep, if you time it right, if it's a post-workout meal, for example, that can help you fall asleep as well. Okay. So cutting that off four to five hours before bedtime, essentially starting your fast four to five hours. And I'm trying to think like that's a pretty early dinner for for maybe a lot of people. If I'm saying uh, if I go to bed at 10, that means I got to be done with dinner by six or be done eating at six. I know sometimes the numbers of the science isn't as convenient for your lifestyle as you would hope for. But the thing is, even if it's two or three hours before, you're still heading in the right direction. If, if somebody's eating half an hour before bed and then they're going to sleep and they're waking up, well, you have to ask yourself, well, no wonder why. And it, it, depending just on where you are, if you can just delay it by one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours, and slowly work up to that and integrate that into your schedule as much as you can, I think that's definitely where you should, you know, just kind of self-assess yourself and see where you're at on, in terms of that. 
And is this just that your body's going to be expending energy and calories, like tackling your gut, tackling the food that you just ate? Like, I'm curious, like why this is the way it is. Yeah, exactly. That's just it. The other one too, is when we eat pretty close to bedtime, our internal body temperature will start to rise too. And like the previous point I mentioned, we want our body temperature to be, to be as low as possible while we're sleeping sort of within that core body temperature sweet spot. That's just another one too. So it's really the the internal temperature of your body, we have cortisol, we have blood sugar. I would say that those are sort of the three trifecta that it comes down to. Okay. From the clients that you work with and other research, like are there any common like gut health issues or other like deficiencies that seem to pop up more often than not? Absolutely. Yeah. So we run a very uh, advanced comprehensive, it's a DNA based test. It looks at about 60 different markers of people's guts and parasites are one of the biggest ones for people H. pylori. And a lot of these parasites, it could be from people five, 10, 15 years ago. It could have been from raw fish that they ate. And one thing we find is a lot of these parasites, even if people are eating a healthy diet, they um, can actually take a lot of the nutrients of the foods that they're eating. And this can contribute to fatigue. So many other factors are hormones that are these micronutrients from the breakdown our bodies rely on. It's quite complex, but to put into layman's terms, parasites are probably one of the biggest ones as, as well as H. pylori and also the bad bacteria in our gut where it's a dysbiosis. So there's more bad bacteria than there is good bacteria. And the science too is showing this is so important for our behavior, our cravings and, and our metabolism and so many things that it's really in its infancy stages with. So that's a big one. And usually one thing at during nighttime, if we have parasites lurking there, that's usually when they come awake and as a result, we can actually get a cortisol spike while we sleep. And this could be just one of many reasons people can start waking up in the middle of the night too. Okay. I was getting targeted for a while for this company. It was kind of like a poop in a bag, kind of like a sample <laughs> type of thing. You send, okay. it, send it into our lab. We'll tell you how healthy your gut is based on this poop sample. I mean, is that like the testing method for this type of thing? It is. So there's probably a couple different companies out. The one of the biggest become more mainstream. I think that one's called Viome. Yes, 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 yes. So that one's pretty good. The last time I saw them though, kind of the actionable advice that they give you after that in the report, it tells you sort of what's wrong, but it doesn't tell you action steps in terms of what you can do. I use another one. It's called the GI map. It's by uh, Genova Diagnostics. And in my opinion, that's probably the best one in the market today. This is the one that I personally use with, with my clients. And you can get it through any, if you're working with a functional medicine doctor, they probably have access to it as well. And it's probably the favorite amongst the, the functional medicine community. But yeah, that's sort of the procedure is you take, you take a sample, you put, usually it's into a test tube, you shake it up, you send it out to the lab. And then within a couple of weeks, you'll get the full results, the full report. Interesting. This is like, yeah, next level, next level stuff. You really want to tackle what's going on inside your body. I've had a habit of doing the uh, blood test, like wellness FX is the service that I've used. And my most recent test, like I, it was, it was not good. Like, you know, elevated cholesterol and some of the other stuff is like, oh man, I, I was the kid who loved taking tests in school because there was a chance to like do well on the test. And this was like, oh, I didn't do so good on this one. So I'm trying to figure, uh, figure some of that out because I was kind of been out of shape about this. And my wife was like, well, that's why you take the test. So, you know, and you can, you know, course correct. And if you don't know, then you keep doing what you're doing. Okay. So we're talking about no heavy meals before bedtime, kind of starting that nighttime fast, uh, maybe a little bit earlier than, than what you're doing today, like avoiding the late night snacks. And gosh, <laughs> it's like, we stay up a lot. And this reminds me like when our, um, when our oldest was really young, we'd found ourselves like awake 
you know, feeding in the middle of the night, diaper changes in the middle of the night. And it's like, I'm not usually awake at two, 3 a.m., but now that I am awake, I'm hungry. And so we'd go and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, grab stuff out of the fridge. And it's like, uh, what are we, what are we doing to ourselves at this point? Okay. That was number five on the list, the heavy meals. Uh, number six. Number six is we, we don't want to do any intense exercise about four hours before bedtime. Now with the eating, we could even do the three to four hour window. I would say the more intense exercise can be more disruptive to your sleep if that's something you're doing. And this is if it's very intense exercise. If you're just going for a walk, this is great in the evening because it can help you de-stress okay. and things like that. So again, you're not just, you're not getting a lot of that blue light exposure, but yeah, if you're not doing intense exercise four, four to five hours prior to bed, that's really good. A couple different reasons for that. Your heart rate becomes elevated and we just become more stimulated with a lot of our hormones that are more, again, stimulating, especially when it comes to our core body temperature, that'll start to increase, which isn't as sleep inducing either. So yeah, it's a pretty basic one there. Just you can do light exercise, usually aerobic exercise or yoga is amazing. After a stressful day, you can do that too, especially if you, if you still have that caffeine rushing through your veins, then that's a good way to kind of get it out of there. Exercise in general is good for that too, for people that find that they're, they're still a little bit jittery close to bed, but they rely on that caffeine during the day. That's really good as well. Okay. Yeah. Get, get that out of your system. Yeah. I remember I, you know, was always a post work workout person for a lot of years and have shifted in the past several years to doing it earlier in the morning, doing it kind of first thing. And that seems to be a lead domino in terms of how the day is going to go. Like if I can get that, get that done, like I feel better throughout the day versus, you know, if I put it off, number one, it would be easier to skip and justify like, I'm just not feeling it today, you know? And then on top of that, maybe it would be uh, impacting this sleep down the road, elevating your your heart rate and having a harder time coming down uh, from that. So that's number six, take it easy, you know, a light walk, light yoga, don't go run a marathon, no high intensity interval training uh, right before bed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Number seven. Number seven is we want to expose our eyes to the sun sort of right when we wake up throughout the day. And this is all about getting our circadian rhythm in sync. And everybody follows kind of that cardinal rule, no blue light before we go to bed. But equally as, as important is we want to have our circadian rhythm sort of in sync in the day. So our body and hormones know that when we wake up, we wake up. And when we wake up, our cortisol is at its highest and our melatonin is at its lowest. And then it inverses when we go to sleep at nine in the evening. So now our cortisol is at its lowest. Cortisol sometimes gets a bad rap, the stress hormone, but it's it's good. It, it's what gives us energy, but it becomes bad when in the evening when our cortisol is jacked up. So some people actually have a, a 
a wrong relationship with that. So they can't get to sleep because their cortisol is too high and their melatonin is too low. So it's all about kind of setting the circadian clock. And we actually have this master clock inside of our brain. It's called the SCN. And it's kind of the master connects to all these different glands in our brain and our body and our hormones. And if we can get that clock in sync, and part of the way of doing this is exposing our eyes first thing when we wake up. And if we're not in an area where there is a lot of light, for example, I'm up here in Canada, and pretty soon it's, it's kind of going to be gray skies, lots of cloudiness. Right. So this is where I invest in something like one of those wake up lights, or it's a it's a bright white light that you can just shine on your eyes for about 30 minutes. This is really good as an alternative as well. There's a lot of different gadgets outside there that you can use, but this is a great way to do it. Okay. In the apps there, because I've joined you in the Northwest as, as well uh, lately. So this is an issue. It's like, well, it's kind of dark out in the morning and it kind of stays a little bit gray throughout the day. I've never heard of wake up lights. So this is an artificial sun to uh, expose your eyes to. Yeah, you can find them on Amazon. You know, they're probably about 30, 50 bucks. It's an amazing investment for sure. You can get some on timers, but usually about 15 minutes to half an hour is all you need. Okay. Without making a blanket supplement recommendations, your take on vitamin D and maybe some other supplements that could either aid in waking up or aid in falling asleep? Yeah. So supplements for sure. You definitely want to talk to your doctor when it comes to supplements and supplements are there to supplement an already good existing lifestyle diet, managing your stress and everything else. Because in, in an ideal world, you wouldn't need to take supplements if everything was working okay. And people sort of use it similar to coffee or sleeping pills where it becomes a band-aid but, you know, supplements sound sexy in some ways, but I, I would say one of the great ones to use, vitamin D is amazing, taken in the morning is really good. They usually say as a rule of thumb, again, you really want to test, not guess to see what your levels are, but they say usually about 1,000 IUs for every 25 pounds of body weight that you have. So for example, I'm about 180 pounds, so I take anywhere in the ballpark. My levels are pretty good, but before when I was trying to increase it, I was doing about, you know, six to 8,000 IUs a day. You just get in a tincture drop first thing in the morning. That's really good. And having it with a, a form of fat. So with your eggs, that seems to be when it absorbs best. You prefer liquid? Yes, I prefer liquid. Yeah. One thing, one side note is a lot of people have gut issues. And so when they take these capsule supplements, it doesn't really absorb that well in their gut versus they take sublingual or the drops. It really just bypasses right to the bloodstream right away. So it's okay. a great alternative. All right. The other one is when going to sleep, the obvious one most people know is melatonin. Melatonin is really good as long as you don't take too much, which a lot of people are guilty of. For some people, it's tough. Like me, for example, I really have everything on point with my lifestyle things like that, just because I've been doing it for so long and with a lot of my clients as well. But there's just the odd night where it's a late night. I'm in front of blue screens. I rely on it. So that's where I'll take just a little bit of a, a melatonin. But the amount that I take is is super small. It's all I need to fall asleep. So usually the amount that, again, people talk to their doctor, you want to, but the amount you want to try is usually about between 0.2 and 2 milligrams for people. And this might seem really low for some people. It's literally like, just biting off a little piece of a, the sublingual capsule and just letting it dissolve onto your tongue. And usually you'll fall asleep within about, you know, 15, 30 minutes is, is what a lot of people need for that. So that's one. And I'm trying to think of another one that would be good. Another really good one, especially when it comes to caffeine, is L-theanine. And what L-theanine is, is it's naturally occurring inside of green tea. But what it does is relax us. And if somebody's really jacked up on caffeine, Having L-theanine can actually really help remove the jitters. And it can be, you know, between 100 to 400 milligrams. Really just depends. And it can come in capsule form. 
Chewables are really good too. There's a brand that I use that kind of tastes like that Flintstone medicine, which is tastes like candy, which is amazing to have. Uh, but that can really help too. Another really good one is called GABA. You could do this in liposomal form. It's kind of a, a liquid form. But GABA is um, a natural occurring tran- neurotransmitter inside of our brain. This is what makes us feel relaxed as well. And that's something that gets released when we drink alcohol. And it gives us this sense of groundedness. So that's a really good one to use as well. But people do their own research. Um, but again, these are really good, you know, if people want to get to that, the last 10, 20%, but ideally through all these different factors, you can you get up figured out. Yeah, I remember we first acquired melatonin for a trip and it was like a, a jet lag hack. You know, it's like, well, it's back at home, it's still daytime, but but in Europe, it's time to go to bed. So we need to kickstart the body's production of this or something habit forming in any way or is it just like you could just pop this as needed but not not try and make it a, a nightly thing yeah you definitely can it, it can be habit forming if you do it i would say every night for a couple of weeks is when the habit, habit would start to form but especially if you have some of the l-theanine and you have some of the gaba um, some of the other ones that your body doesn't rely so much on where you have to increase the dose then those are really good alternatives to do. But if you're doing it just the odd night here and there, I really see no problem with that. Melatonin, you're right, though, is really good if you're traveling to like across a few time zones, especially if it's over three, two or three hour time zones. Uh, melatonin can really come in pretty handy. And a really good app for that is called Time Shifter. Um, and you can pretty much coordinate based on where, where you are, you input the time, where you want to go, and it's going to tell you okay, when's the best time to kind of organize and custom organize your your plan for that morning or that evening so you fall asleep in the best way possible. And jet lag at least doesn't affect you as much. Okay, cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And of course, disclosure, you know, this is not medical advice. So you do your own due diligence, talk to your doctor, all that jazz. But point number seven here was to do your best to expose your eyes to the sun uh, upon getting up and really, you know, throughout the day instead of, you know, locking yourself in a, in a dark closet to try and help normalize this circadian rhythm and and melatonin production. Number eight. Number eight is we want to relax our body as much as we can before we go to bed. So one of the best ways to do it is just a 20 minute guided meditation before it's time to, to head to bed. And guided is usually the best. Most people who start, they're just kind of focused on their own thoughts and it really makes it difficult to first get into meditation, but some really good guided meditation. If you just put it to YouTube for free, there's the Honest Guys is a really good one. Sam Harris, he's been into meditation for some time. He has an app called Waking Up. But even on his YouTube um, channel, he's got really good guided ones on there too that you know a lot of people really, really love and seem to like. So that's the meditation piece. Just don't look at the screen. <laughs> Just don't look at the screen. Yeah, exactly. So that's one. The other really good one is doing a journal prior to going to sleep. Usually at about five, 10 minutes. You can do it after you do your meditation session when your mind's clear. And what this can really help with is us not waking up in the middle of the night. Science kind of recently shows that we can wake up in the middle of the night because our brain's still processing things we were just thinking about the day prior, even though it doesn't make any sense whatever we were dreaming about. But if we can dump it all onto paper, it can kind of empty the mind, give it kind of this blank slate effect. And it it can stop our brain from just processing all these things that cause us to wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I like that. I could definitely be better about this journaling habit from the standpoint of gratitude. What'd you get done today? What do you need to do tomorrow? Which is historically how I've kind of done it. And that's baked into the progress journal that I have, but just trying to get it out of your head. So you're not like carrying that stuff with you because you may be just about to fall asleep and you're like, oh, you know, let me remember this thing. And then you're trying to, you know, email yourself or like put down a note or something and just 
this idea of a little bit of uh, of a wind down, kind of brain dump, kind of a recap on the day, what went well, what what didn't go so well, what do you need to try and uh, do do tomorrow? I think that could be really valuable. And I haven't been so much into the guided meditations and usually either um, early afternoon is kind of where I've been finding meditation time lately, but this nighttime, just kind of this wind down period, I think could be, uh, can be valuable as well. Absolutely. Really is. And you know, there's other devices that can really help you too on the aura ring and some of the other ones they have guided meditations that go in sync with your biology. There's a really good device I recently tried called the sensate Two, which is amazing. It's kind of this device that goes onto your chest and it sends these sonic impulses into your body as you listen to these binaural beats and it, it runs in sync. And I tried it for 10 minutes and I was out cold. Oh, well, <laughs> so that's one too. Another really good one is called an acupuncture or pressure mat. That's really good. And can it can release endorphins to help you fall asleep as well. But I agree in the afternoon is amazing. Sometimes for people it's in the morning or maybe it's all of them combined. It really just depends on the person. Yeah. I remember when I mean, you got to find what works for you. I remember reading, maybe it was tools of Titans or something, but it was like the whole first section of the book was on, you know, health recommendations. And it was like, you know, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here. I try and do an hour a day of this thing before long. You're like, Tim, what are you doing all day? Like, you know, these habits are adding up to more hours than there's actually time for. And it's kind of frustrating. So, you know, find, you know, carving out the time that works for you and, uh, and making that a habit. And like Riley has said throughout this call, like, you know, testing, doing experiments, seeing how you feel, seeing if that becomes a worthwhile thing to, to keep going in your life. But so number eight we have was this uh, guided meditation and this, you know, journaling practice, just kind of an end of the day, brain dump, calm your mind type of thing. Let's bring it home with number nine. Number nine is we want to reduce or at least eliminate all alcohol prior to sleep, at least as much as we can. Usually the sweet spot is about six hours for most people. That odd glass of red wine with dinner usually shouldn't be an issue for a lot of people. But what alcohol actually does is it, is it seems sleep inducing and it, it helps us feel more relaxed prior to going to bed. Yeah. But it actually reduces our REM sleep, which is very important for restoring our mind for the next day, forming memories from everything that we learned before and sort of that deep restoration that we need. So for the next day, our memories on point, our focus is on point, we, our emotional intelligence is on point, and we just feel like our best self. And People might, the more they drink, you know, they probably have past recollections of, well, I slept amazing that night because, you know, I was just passed out. I was intoxicated. And then it was, and then I woke up and I, sure, I had a hangover. But if you connect yourself to, you know, a sleep tracker, you can see it's uh, the, the REM portion sleep is usually off by quite a bit. So I'm hearing you advocate day drinking instead. Yeah, day drinking is the way to go. Morning if you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is an interesting one, and it's it, yeah, it is countered because it's like, oh, this helps me relax, but yeah, um, maybe it helps you fall asleep, but it doesn't help you stay asleep. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Riley, what's what's next for you? Thanks for this list. Uh, what are you excited about these days? That's a really good question. There's so much on the go. It's it's people from all over the world really helping them sleep, especially now with recent times. People seem to be a lot more stressed than before, so being able to impact as many pe people as possible. I mean, with these tips that I gave, it's it's really just covering the foundations for most people. And most people don't necessarily adhere to some of these guidelines, but you can go a lot deeper with that. And that's really where I'm helping people working with them a lot more privately one-on-one. -on -one. 
through the sleep consultant, um, doing lab testing on them, looking at their genetics, looking at all these different markers, kind of where we send them directly to their house. So that's where I've been pointing a lot of my focus in addition to helping people in more of the groups. But it could be anyone who's more of a high performer or anybody who wants to optimize their sleep, no matter what they're doing in their life, whether it's whether they're a student, whether they're really a side hustler, they're stuck in a nine to five job. This is kind of the case where I was at. And it was kind of sleep that gave me the focus that skyrocketed me on this trajectory of giving me more, more energy. So I had this deep focus after my regular nine to five job. And then that kind of went into my own business after that. But one thing I just find is it carries over into all different elements of your life, exercise, gaining muscle, testosterone, if you're a guy, but both males and females equally as important. So all combined, this is just really my mission, helping people in, in the best way possible. And that's who the sleep consultant. And then for more general tips, more that mainstream advice, that's where Sleep for Side Hustlers is as well. Very cool. Sleepforsidehustlers.com. Perfect name for this audience. Thesleepconsultant.com. You can check Riley out over there. I remember hearing recently on Noah Kagan's podcast where the guest was the founder of chess.com or the CEO of chess.com. And he's talking about like, well, am I feeling just kind of down and feeling kind of, you know, meh about life? And he's like, it goes back to these three fundamentals of sleep, diet, and exercise. Like, are you taking care of the foundation? And if not, start there right? Get those bricks in order before you start stacking uh, other responsibilities and other things uh, on top of that, because it really is a lead domino in, in a lot of ways. But Riley, really appreciate you joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with a number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Number one tip I would give Side Hustle Nation is, this is more entrepreneurial advice just from my own journey and people that I've worked with as well, is just if you haven't started yet with any of your endeavors, even if it's very cliche advice, it's just start. One issue that I ran into and that I see a lot of people running into as well is they're just, they're thinking too much. They don't know where to start. They don't think it's the right time, but it's really never going to be the right time. Now is the right time. And one thing you'll find, and one thing that I really found through my journey was what I initially thought in my head was going to be the best thing wasn't at all as I continued taking action in the right direction. And it was kind of as the world gave me feedback that I kind of made adjustments along the way. And it wasn't what I thought. It was sort of what the world thought, um, how people responded to it, and what was best for the people versus what I thought was best for the people. And that's what really took my business to another level. And I sort of see this, this same pattern with other people too. So I would say that's really, really one big one. And to just, just keep going, you will find the answer. You have a lot more resources internally than you realize, especially with better sleep. So I would definitely leave our, your listeners with that one. Oh, very cool. Thank you for sharing. Big thanks to Riley for sharing his insight. And that is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.